Good morning. My name is Tom Houston, and my wife is Jennifer, and we lead a small group not too far from here in Midtown. Please stand with me for the reading of the word this morning. We're going to be reading Luke 12, 35 through 59 in the NLT. Be dressed for service and keep your lamps burning, as though you were waiting for your master to return from the wedding feast. Then you will be ready to open the door and let him in the moment he arrives and knocks. The servants who are ready and waiting for his return will be rewarded. I tell you the truth, he himself will seat them, put on an apron, and serve them as they sit and eat. He may come in the middle of the night or just before dawn, but whenever he comes, he will reward the servants who are ready. Understand this, if a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he would not permit his house to be broken into. You also must be ready all the time, for the Son of Man will come when least expected. Peter asked, Lord, is that illustration just for us or for everyone? And the Lord replied, a faithful, sensible servant is one to whom the master can give the responsibility of managing his other household servants and feeding them. If the master returns and finds that the servant has done a good job, there will be a reward. But what if the servant thinks, my master won't be back for a while, and he begins beating the other servants, partying and getting drunk? The master will return unannounced and unexpected, and he will cut the servant in pieces and banish him with the unfaithful. And a servant who knows what the master wants, but isn't prepared and doesn't carry out those instructions, will be severely punished. But someone who does not know and then does something wrong will be punished only lightly. When someone has been given much, much will be required in return. And when someone has been entrusted with much, even more will be required. I have come to set the world on fire and I wish it were already burning. I have a terrible baptism of suffering ahead of me, and I am under a heavy burden until it, until it is accomplished. Do you think I have come to bring peace to the earth? No, I have come to divide people against each other. From now on, families will be split apart, three in favor of me and two against, or two in favor and three against. Father will be divided against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, and mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. Then Jesus turned to the crowd and said, When you see clouds beginning to form in the west, you say, Here comes a shower, and you are right. When the south wind blows, you say, Today will be a scorcher, and it is. You fools, you know how to interpret the weather signs of the earth and sky, but you don't know how to interpret the present times. Why can't you decide for yourselves what is right? When you are on the way to court with your accuser, Try to settle the matter before you get there. Otherwise, your accuser may drag you before the judge who will hand you over to an officer who will throw you into prison. And if that happens, you won't be free again until you have paid the very last penny. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful, Lord, for this service today. Lord, that we can meet with the freedom to worship and learn about your word without fear of physical persecution. Lord, we just pray that we're filled and led by your Holy Spirit. Lord, help our daily lives uh, bring you glory with eager expectation of your return. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Thomas. Hallelujah. He happens to be married to our oldest daughter, Jennifer, by the way. A little nepotism this morning. Well, good morning. How are y'all doing? Just in this passage, it's a long passage, a lot in it. We're going to focus on the parable and what Jesus is trying to communicate through this parable. And 
as you probably overseen, picked up uh, in the past several weeks from the teachings uh, and uh, preachings of the, uh, Pastor Drew and Pastor Raphael, Pastor Jason, there's Jesus trying to transform our thinking. And Pastor Jason does, you know, he does an awesome job in getting us to understand that uh, trying to look from a heavenly perspective into our life here on earth and bring the heavenly experience and principles to us here on earth. And Jesus, in this communicating through this parable, is trying to, again, help us think from a heavenly perspective on the way we view this life. And in the past uh, several weeks, we've been seeing that Jesus has been talking about how temporary this life is and the suddenness of changes that can place, take place, the suddenness of a losing a loved one or our own life or suddenness of our plans ending or things changing, but how we need to be hanging on to things rather than gripping to stuff of the earth and hanging on and clinging to it, but holding it with an open hand that we're easily ready to release it because of the suddenness and of life and ter- uh, temporariness of life and things changing. And as he emphasized, well, it's Pastor Drew talked about, uh, taught on that how Jesus taught about signs and not recognizing signs. And they were looking for signs. And Jesus was displaying these signs through his miracles and healings and teachings and by his very presence. And they didn't recognize it. And they said, show us the signs. He said, no, you're, you're not getting it. The only sign I am going to tell you about to watch for is the sign of Jonah, that I will ri- be in the gr- earth for three days and rise again. So signs, Jesus again talking about signs in this passage. Towards the end of it, he talks about signs, recognizing the signs. We can recognize, you know, the signs of weather changes and that, but yet we're dull to the things of God, the signs that God is showing us. And we're going to talk about that today. Signs, signs, signs everywhere, signs. We have signs, you know, that direct us, teach us, protect us, warn us. Every signs, whether it be stoplight types of signs or these types of signs, we have signs that guide us and lead us throughout this country and throughout our life. They're an integral part of our life. We depend on them. Can you imagine? Can you imagine not a sign existing in this country and trying to get around? Not one sign, not a stoplight, not, nothing. We just make our own way. The chaos that would exist. But we are an organized country in that sense. And God talks about these signs and gives us signs to watch for. But we have to recognize and understand what the signs mean. Otherwise, they're of no value to us. They uh, They won't obtain their intended purpose if we don't understand what they mean. This reminds me of a story. I told this several years ago, but it makes this point perfectly. There was a highway patrolman who was on duty on a two-lane highway. And traffic was moving pretty steadily back and forth, and he was observing it. And all of a sudden, he sees a car coming extremely slow, extremely slow. Traffic backed up behind him, and people uh, in the cars behind the car were waiting to get around to pass him. And it was just being a real hazard, really a hazard on this highway. And so the patrolman said, I need to check this out, see what's going on, if there's a problem. And he goes and pulls the car over, and they pull over, and the highway patrolman gets out and goes up to the car, 
And then he gets to the car and he sees that there's five elderly women in the car. And the driver rolls down the window. And as he's looking, and the, these passengers are all in the front and the back seat. They're all clinging to each other. Just scared. White knuckled. And stern look straight ahead. And just fear gripping them. And the lady, the elderly driver, says to the officer, officer, was I speeding? And he says, no, on contrary, you were causing really a road hazard, and I just want to find out if there's, everything's all right. He says, officer, I always do the speed limit. I was doing the speed limit exactly like the sign said back there. I was doing 22 miles an hour. And the officer kind of chuckled and said, ma'am, that was the highway number sign. It wasn't the speed limit sign. And the elderly lady says, oh, I'm sorry, officer. And he says, well, you know now, it's speed limit 60 miles an hour, so be careful. He said, but before I release you, I want to ask you, is everything all right with your friends? They really look scared and worried about something. And she replied, oh, officer, they'll be fine in a little bit. We just came off Highway 121. Yeah, we can, we can observe signs, we can watch the signs all we want, but if we don't understand what they mean, they're not a help, are they? Well, Jesus, in this passage, gives us information and gives signs through a parable. And as he's trying to transform our thinking and the way we view things, God is trying to trans- transition us to look from a heavenly perspective as we're living this life on earth. So it's all about transition, transformation, changing our way of of our uh, perspective on things and looking through things through God's eyes. Now in this parable, to understand it and know how to apply it to life, we need to understand what the parts are of this parable. Now a parable is a common uh, event or or, uh, situation uh, or cultural happening that Jesus used, a master of this, uses and to bring home a spiritual point. And so there is a spiritual point to this. And as we dig into this, we're going to first understand who is the master. The master is a master of this household who goes away on a wedding, on a wedding case, uh, event, common, common occurrence, and in this, he's illustrating that there's an uncertainty in the time that it's going to take going out and coming back. In those days, there was that uncertainty. Even the day that they returned, not, let alone the hour of the day that they come back. As obviously, everything was done on foot or by burrow usually. And it just took time. And to go away and come back. And depending on the wealth of the family, it could be a short wedding, a day wedding, or it could be several days, several day wedding. But the point is in this is that he's saying that the master is going to be uh, gone for a while, unknown length of time, and returning in an unpredicted time, at an unpredicted time. The master here is Jesus. He said, this is me. The spiritual point of this is that this is me. And then he's going to be going away, and he's going to be returning, though, at an unexpected time. Jesus has gone away. 
He has gone away. And he's going to come back. He promised that and I will return. But we don't know when. The apostles asked him and he said, you don't know the time or the hour. I don't know. I can't tell. Only the Father knows. Not even the angels in heaven know. Only the Father knows when I'm going to return. So he's gone away, but he's going to return. Now, he's talking to a group or talking about a group of servants in his household. Even Peter asked him, is this for us or is this for everybody? Well, let's see what Jesus is really saying here. Who's in the household of God? Who dwells in the household of God? That's the point here. We do. Believers do. He's talking to believers, servants. And we are servants of the Father. And we dwell in the household of God. John 1.12 says, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. Even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Then 1 Timothy 3.15 says, But in case I am delayed, this is Paul writing to Timothy, But in case I am delayed, I write so that you will know how one ought to conduct himself. And in this parable, Jesus is talking about how the servants are conducting themselves. Know how one ought to conduct himself in the household of God, which is the church of the living God. We are in the household of God because we are the church of the living God, the pillar and support of truth. So Jesus is talking to us, and it's about us. Now, the master goes away, and he's going to return. And that's what he said, be prepared. You servants, my children, the family, household of God, be ready. Be expecting me. Be looking for me. Be prepared for my return. Which return are we talking about here? There's two returns coming. Jesus, when he taught the, the people, he never really clarified that there's going to be what was called to called a rapture or his as referred to as a second coming. He really never clarified. He just talked about my return, my return, my return. It was Paul through divine revelation that he was able in his writings to clarify the different returns that are going to be taking place in the future. This particular return, because we have hindsight and because of the scriptures have been written that gives us insight into this, this return is about the rapture. He's talking about my return for you and you and you and me. He's talking about his return for us, the bride, his bride, the bride of Christ, to retake us up to heaven, referred to as a rapture. Some of you may not know what's, I don't know, what's this rapture thing. Rapture is a, you're not going to find the word in the scriptures, it's kind of a theological term that refers to the taking up of the church, the bride of Christ, into heaven. When Jesus comes, he's going to be in the air, we're going to meet him in the air, and he's going to take us to heaven. There's two parts to the rapture. First, the dead in Christ, those who have died as believers, are going to be resurrected and transformed into glorified bodies and taken up. Then those who are alive, us, if we're alive when Jesus returns, we're going to have, see our bodies, experience our bodies being transformed into glorified bodies and taken up to heaven along with those that have fallen first, that are dead. 
You can find more references to this in 1 Corinthians 15, but I want to read from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 says, For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep, meaning died. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Comfort one another. Comfort one another. This is nothing to be scared about, worry about, but to anticipate And that's Jesus' point in this parable is to anticipate it, to expect it. Look for it. Be prepared for it. This is, as Paul wrote in Titus, this is our hope of our glory. The hope of glory. This is our hope that we are going to be taken up from this earth and join Jesus for eternity in heaven. Now, the other return... Just to kind of give you a differentiation here, the rapture, when Jesus talks about coming to or for, he's talking about the rapture, the rapture experience. When he talks about coming with, he's talking about his return to earth to set up his kingdom on earth where he will rule from the temple in Jerusalem, the future temple to be built in Jerusalem and rule over the earth for 1,000 years. That is the millennial reign of Jesus Christ. Revelation 20 and 6 says, Blessed and holy is the one who is part of the first resurrection. Over these, the second death has no power. But they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. He's talking about us. We are, gonna, we are priests and we will reign with Christ for a thousand years. We're going to come back with him when he returns to earth. Verse uh, in Revelation uh, chapter 19, it says, I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it, called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and wages war. His eyes are a flame of fire, and his head, on his head are many diadems, and he has a name written on him which no one knows except himself. And he is clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which are in heaven, that's us, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, we're following him on a white horse. We are following Jesus back to earth when he comes to establish his kingdom rule for a thousand years. But prior to that, we're going to experience the rapture first, the going home, the taking home. And this, in this parable, Jesus is emphasizing, be prepared, be ready, be looking for him, be expecting him. And as a faithful servant... A faithful servant will be doing that. That's the being part of being prepared, expecting him, walking in holiness, being responsible. Now, I'm not going to dwell in all the different levels of judgment Jesus is talking about here. To this morning, I want to focus on the, half, the glass half full rather than half empty, but on the fullness that God intends us to live through the power of the Holy Spirit. We want to dwell on that that we are enabled by the Holy Spirit to live the life 
that God wants us to live. And with that, have that expectation and knowing that we are going home. First of all, that this is not our home. This is not our home. This is temporary residence. And as we looked at in the past few weeks about the temporariness of our life and how we should look at it, not the accumulation of stuff and hanging on or clinging to it, but having our heart where our treasure is. And our treasure should be in heaven. We should have that attitude of, this is the stuff of life. This is the stuff of earth, stuff of this kingdom. And it's loosely held that you can loosely let it go, give it away as needed and led by the Holy Spirit. Not clinging onto it, having an eye focus only on this, but being watchful for the things of God, having an eye on the things of God. Can we as a believer have an eye on the stuff of earth and on the things of God, having that heavenly perspective? Yes, but you have to make an effort to do that because if our, both of our eyes are on the things of the earth, that's when we start clinging and only seeing from an earthly perspective. We need an eye on heaven as well, living with one foot on earth and one foot in heaven with that expectation that all this stuff on earth is temporary. This is not my home. This is not our home. Jesus is going to come and take us home. And we need to look with that with excitement, with joy, with anticipation. Having that as a regular habit in our life. Yes, we have troubles. Yes, we have challenges. Yes, we have obstacles in this life. And we deal with them the best we can with the help that we can get. But it's temporary. Understand this is all temporary. We're going to be taken home, home to dwell with Jesus. And we're not going to have the obstacles that we have in this life. We're not going to have the challenges, the strongholds, the fights that we have in this life. We're going home. Being prepared and ready to experience that and looking for him. Now, how do you keep a how do you keep looking when it's been 2,000 years since Jesus has walked on earth and he hasn't come back yet? Is it going to be another 2,000 years? You know, how do you keep your eyes with that type of hope when it could be that long? Well, let's look at the signs. We talked about the signs. Can we read the signs that have taken place? What do they indicate about his return and the nearness or distance of his return? First of all, one major sign, and I don't have time to go through all of the signs. I do teach a end times class uh, once a year, and I'll be teaching again next, next year and where you can drill down and get more information. I, there's just not the time to here to go into all of it. But to understand that there are signs that point to Jesus' imminent return. Okay? And... I will tell you that from my studies, I've been studying and teaching this for 15 years. I firmly believe in my spirit that in my lifetime, my generation's lifetime, we will see the return of Jesus Christ. That's how near we are. That's how near we are. Now, if I have that expectation in my life, anyone younger than me 
you have that hope and assurance as well, hopefully an assurance, or at least an expectation that Jesus will come back during your lifetime. That's how close we are. Which should compel us to treat this life in a temporary nature, temporary viewpoint. Now, Israel became a nation in 1948, fulfilled Ezekiel 37, Valley of the Dry Bones. That was a major fulfillment, a major fulfillment in the life of Israel, but also in the life of the church as well, pointing to the return of Jesus Christ. 1948. Some of you saw that, witnessed that. But we all are experiencing it because they still exist today. After being reborn. In Matthew 24, it says, You will be hearing of wars and rumors of war. See that you are not frightened, for those things must take place, but that it is not yet the end. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and in various places there will be famines and earthquakes, Natural disasters, in other words, there are going to be natural disasters, as well as the wars and conflict between nations. But all these things are merely the beginning of birth pangs, just the beginning. What's he saying here when he's teaching the disciples? What's he saying? A woman in labor, beginning in, beginning in her pregnancy, her birth pangs are few and far between, Right? Just starting out carrying a child, carrying a baby. The labor pains are few and far between, and they're minor. They're mild. But over time, over the course of the usually nine months, the birth pangs increase in frequency, and they increase in intensity. This is what Jesus is saying. We're going to see wars and rumors of wars, natural disasters, infrequent, but then growing in frequency and in intensity. Up to mid-1980s, natural disasters in the wars throughout the world were relatively minor and infrequent, really infrequent, almost like 10 years, 20 years apart, until the late 80s. What do we experience even now, today? This year, Hurricane Florence, Hurricane Michael. Look at the destructive nature and power of those hurricanes. We are having these disasters yearly now. Not every 10 or 20 years, but yearly now. Wars going and uh, terrorist attacks and conflict between nations. Wildfires in the natural disasters. Uh, this summer, California, Oregon, Washington, Montana was on fire. There's fires all throughout the whole west and northwest. You got the uh, earthquake and tsunami that took place in Sulawesi, Indonesia this year. The typhoon that hit the Philippines. Destructive power throughout this earth had been released because the earth is groaning and waiting for its deliverance, as the scripture says. Even the earth is waiting for the return of Jesus. And we have all these destructive powers that are being released. These are signs of the nearness of Jesus. He says so. It's going to, the, the birth pangs are increasing and the intensity is increasing until the deliverance of that child. What is a deliverance in this case? It's the deliverance of the church out of this world and Jesus coming for his bride, us, the church. 
Look for it with anticipation. Look for it. Anticipate it. Expect it. And rejoice in it. And rejoice in it. Yeah, we have, you may have relatives that are suffering and, and in these um, uh, disasters and such. You know, friends and family, co-workers. But at the same time, put it in perspective. We help, we pray for, we bless, courage, but put it in perspective. It's another sign, indication of the nearness of Jesus Christ. Birth pangs. Birth pangs. It's, they're going to end. And with that ending of them, it's deliverance. Jesus' return and taking up us, his church, his bride. Now, with those signs, they're kind of, it's still kind of abstract. You know, how many, it's subjective. How many more is it going to take before it really points to Jesus? I mean, can it be another 20 years, another 100 years of these uh, increased disasters before Jesus points to Jesus really coming? Well, there's one concrete sign that points to Jesus' return. And it's in Ezekiel chapters 38 and 39. It's the war of Gog and Magog. And this is an alliance between five nations that have never been aligned before in the history of the world. They're going to come into alliance and attack Israel. We are witnessing the formation of that alliance today. We are witnessing that alliance forming today. Russia, Persia, in the Bible, which is Iran, Turkey, Libya, and in the scriptures, in, that, in Ezekiel 38, 39, it talks about Ethiopia. But the Ethiopia of that time is now known as northern Sudan. Now, if you've followed the news at all, you know that Russia and uh, Persia, Iran, are already locked in uh, alliance together. If you follow any of the news, you see that Turkey is making overtures to them. They're kind of drifting away from NATO, and they've been pursuing, investigating, joining Russia and Persia, Iran. Libya has made overtures, nothing real overt as far as I can see or heard in the news, but they have made approaches to them, checking them out. The only one I haven't heard of making any movement towards them is northern Sudan. But northern Sudan had just really become a nation in the last couple of years. It was all one. It was just north and south Sudan was one nation. Now they're separated. The northern part of Sudan is Muslim. We're witnessing the formation of that alliance right now before our eyes. How long do you think it's going to take before those nations, actually all five nations, gather together? And then once they're gathered together, once they're in alliance, how long do you think it's going to take before they decide to attack Israel? We're not talking 100 years. We're not talking 50 years, brothers and sisters. That's why I say I'm convinced in my lifetime I am going to see the return of Jesus the Christ. What are your expectations? What are your expectations? When you read this passage, what's your expectation on the return of Jesus Christ? Do you have any? Have you had any? Begs a question. Are you prepared? Are we prepared for his return? Or are we 
simply going through life kind of like this, hoping things work out? Or are we having the expectation? Are we recognizing the signs? Are we recognizing the signs taking place and causing us to get prepared? When you have a special guest coming, you invite a special relative or uh, family member, friend, and you invite them over to your house or apartment and you're expecting them for maybe for a holiday, someone very special in your life, what, do you just say, well, if they show up, you know, we'll, we'll take care of them? Or do you drill down? Or do you make extra special plans? I got, oh, they like, you know, they like roast chicken. We got to get some chicken and, and uh, gravy, you know, make special food. I know what they like. We're going to get some food. We got to go shopping, get some food. Oh, we need to uh, fix up the bedroom. We need to get some drapes in there, new drapes in there. You make special effort to prepare for their coming because they're special to you. You just don't sit back and if they show up, you know, that's fine. If they, you know, and then when they get there, you know, they'll help, you know, go, gonna go down the street and stay in a motel. No. We make special effort to welcome them and take care of them. Jesus is returning. Jesus is returning. What special effort are you making to prepare yourself for his coming to take us to his home? What special efforts are you taking? And this is what this is all about. Encouraging you. Get in the habit of thinking and understanding. Looking from that divine perspective. That transformation of our thinking and our perspective on this life. And Jesus coming. Start changing. Pray and asking God. Help me change so that I have that expectation daily of your return. And live above the things of life. And not cling to it, but live with an open attitude towards the things of life. That you're not clinging to it. That it can be released. If you want to take me tomorrow, Lord, if you're coming back tomorrow, I'm ready to go. Or if it's five years from now or ten years, I'm ready to go. Not, uh, no, I still want to get this bass boat. Um, you know, that I'm planning on. I, I want to really get, I've got this desire for this bass boat, whatever it may be, you know, and I want to get out and use it And before. And so just hang on. Don't, you know, just leave me alone until I get this bass boat and I can get out and use it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, there's nothing wrong with having a bass boat. Understand that. Please. But it's that having both eyes focused on this light and not living with that open openness towards things of God and being ready to release it that if it does if you don't get the bath well, no problem no problem I'll fish in the liver, river of life in heaven you know I don't have to do it here on, on earth get some big fish amen the Worship team would come, please. If you struggled, if you struggled getting a heavenly perspective, take this time this morning and ask God, help me to get my eyes focused on heaven and Jesus' return. Help me get my eyes focused on the thing God wants your eyes focused on, to have that heavenly perspective. If you're struggling there, you simply ask God for help. And I'm going to invite you, if you want to come down to the altar, 
you want to come down to the altar and pray, we have prayer uh, altar workers that will pray with you, or you can stay at the pew and pray. But I encourage you, ask God, help me, help me have that perspective that I can overlook the stuff of this world and look and treat things with an open hand. That I'm not clinging to life. I'm not clinging to life. But I want you in my life. I want your perspective. I want you to have that expectation of you coming. That's the hope of our glory. That's a joy that should keep compel us in doing what we do and how we serve. I know it gets tired. It's tiring serving. And you're coming here in church and, and meeting and getting the kids ready and, you know, coming and serving and the small groups and the ministries that take place, all of that. It's tiring. It's worrisome. But it shouldn't be discouraging. It shouldn't be discouraging. This is what we look for and anticipate that Jesus is coming. This is why we're doing it. Because I don't hold the things of life with a tight fist, but with an open hand. So if you want prayer, please come. We want to pray with you. Now, the next question regarding this parable is, who's your master? Who is your master? This is a master of the household, his household, the household of God. But some of you may not live in the household of God, and you know that. So this doesn't sound familiar to me at all. This is foreign. I don't understand this. I live in darkness. I live in despair. I live in hopelessness. I live with a weariness, and I never see it lifted. I never experience a joy. That's because you're in the household of darkness, the kingdom of darkness. There's only two kingdoms in this universe. Two kingdoms. Not a kingdom of gray, but a kingdom of light, kingdom of darkness. Period. Kingdom of light is rule. The master is Jesus. A benevolent, all-giving, all-grace master. The other darkness, the council of darkness, kingdom of darkness, the master is Satan looking to destroy and kill ruin your life make you miserable if you know you're there in the kingdom of darkness and want to leave you can leave you can get out and we love to help you walk away from it but we're asking I'm going to ask you to come down and walk down here to the front area take that walk symbolic of you walking out of the household of darkness into the household of light Jesus household his kingdom walk down here and we'll have people that will meet with you and help guide you into leaving the kingdom of darkness to enter into the kingdom of light with the hope and joy of being part of God's family the household of God dwelling in the house of God not in the house of Satan but you have to make that decision you have to make that effort to come down come down right here so we can pray with you and help you guide you out of the kingdom of darkness But above all, know, know that God loves you. Jesus loves you and he wants you to be part of his family and be part of this family as well. God bless you. Thank you, Pastor Mark.
great word of warning. First thing I'm going to do and ask you one thing. I know some of you do have to exit the auditorium. You may be serving in the next service in another area. But listen, I've noticed and I've been watching, like Pastor Jason says, he watches and analyzes things. And sometimes in this time of the service, we, uh, we tend to just, I don't know, get uncomfortable, just kind of start picking up stuff and wanting to get out of here. Uh, this is the time when a word come out, comes out like that, that we respond. So this is the time when you do some, some looking into your own self and asking Holy Spirit, how do I respond to this, right? That's, it's very, very important. You know, in the word that Pastor Mark just shared, Jesus, when he started on verse 35, he said, be dressed for service and keep your, la your lamps burning. Dress for service, keep your lamps burning. We have to be dressed, ready to go. Ready to go when the master comes. The lamp's burning, the oil, you need oil in those times. Oil, Holy Spirit has to be inside of you, burning, okay? I want to share with you briefly a something that happened to me. Pastor Jason said uh, last week when he preached that the parables of Jesus, which it was Jesus used this, this parable, the story to convey something. And Pastor Jason said it so well last week. So we're not going to reinvent the wheel. He says Jesus's parables are like three parts to them. First, he paints a picture, right? And you see it. You see the picture. You're like, oh, yeah, I see what that is. But then is a mirror. He makes it into a mirror. So you see yourself in it and then is a window a window that then you see the world through you see everything through that and that's what this is today so let's stand if we will and what i want us to do is take a moment and see that picture first of the master coming and us being ready the mirror reflecting ourselves and then the actual window what I was going to say was when I first gave my life to Jesus, I wasn't, I wasn't aware of this parable of this scripture yet. And I had this dream. It was such a vivid dream. It was, I remember it to this day, very, very disturbing to me. And it was a dream where I was in my apartment and the phone was ringing. I was in my bedroom. The phone was in the, in the kitchen, you know, it was an actual telephone in the kitchen on the wall. I'm walking through the house and there was socks, dirty socks everywhere shoes everywhere dirty clothes everywhere i went to the living room there was a pile of pizza boxes all pizza boxes the the the, the trash was overflowing in the kitchen i piled a bunch of dirty dishes everywhere it was a mess the phone is ringing i answered the phone and i hear this voice saying hello Raphael. i'm coming to see you it was jesus on the other line he says Raphael, i'm coming to see you and i said uh, lord can you please dial tone and all of a sudden he was right in the middle of my living room I fell to my knees in front of him and I was weeping and sobbing I wasn't ready I wasn't ready Lord I wasn't ready you needed to give me time I wasn't ready I was screaming and crying I woke up in a panic my brother went to my bedroom and he was like hey hey are you okay what's going on I was crying now I'm awake and I'm crying and I'm yelling I, I wasn't ready I wasn't ready I wasn't ready Okay. What I realized that day was that the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and says, yeah, you, you were not ready. You're right. But I want to help you be ready. See, that hope that Pastor Mark was talking about, that we were singing about, 
is Jesus saying, hey, you perhaps you, you may not be ready right now, but I want to help you become ready. That's what it means to actually have your lamps burning and being filled with expectation. I'm going to ask our, I'm going to introduce a new term for you that nobody here knows, ministry team. <laughs> The prayer workers, those that are going to be doing ministry here. I'm going to ask you to come forward at this moment. And let's do some ministry. Now, you may be out here now and you're thinking, okay, yeah, like, I don't know. I don't feel ready. Well, Jesus wants you to be ready and feel with expectation for his return, whatever that is. So right now, if you want someone to pray with you, If you want to pray just by yourself, maybe just you and Jesus, just come right here and you may just pray with Jesus yourself by yourself. And if you want one of these ministry teams, uh, ministry workers to to help you, to pray with you, then you can may come to them. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for your warnings. Thank you, God, that you are teaching us your ways, Lord. I pray, God, that we may not only see the signs, but that we may be able to understand the signs, God. I pray, God, that we may be ready and with our lamps burning. Lord, I pray for everyone in this place. I pray, God, that they may trust in you, that they may hope in you. I pray, God, that those that don't know you, that are still in the kingdom of darkness, that they may come forward and be ready for your return. For when you call them, God. When you call their number, may they be ready to receive you, Father. We thank you and bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, I encourage you to come, and if you need to pray, God bless you. Wednesday night, hope to see you.